I'm going to be preaching today uh, from the theme of celebrating Christ's resurrection. Celebrating Christ's resurrection. Acts chapter 2, verse 22, and it says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, him being delivered by the determinate purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held of it or held by it. Our father appointed a set, or, or, excuse me, he, he appointed and set in motion the, the events that are happening in our world today. Not only did, did he appoint these events, he ordained his son to accomplish redemption for us um, on our behalf. And this is what the terms determinate counsel of God means. When we look into the meaning of the term foreknowledge in Peter's message on the day of Pentecost, it indicates or it describes that Jesus was delivered or handed over to his enemies by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. As a matter of fact, Peter later wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, that Jesus had been divinely appointed or chosen for the task of being slain for our redemption before the foundations of the world. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, the apostle Paul or Peter also said that believers have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Now, as for the term loosed or loosing, this is describing a release from the bondage or stronghold of death. After Jesus was crucified, God liberated Jesus from the agony of death. He did this because it was not meant for the perfect lamb of God to be held in the vice grip of death, which according to Romans 6.23 is the reward for the wages of sin. It was only because Jesus was perfect that he alone was able to die in our place and emerge from hell with the gift of eternal life. Not only did Jesus have to die a physical death in order to redeem us, he paid, he had to pay the full penalty for our sins, a punishment which consisted of the type of death that would cover and include anyone condemned and forsaken of God. So Jesus went into Hades for you and for I, for all of us, for the whole world. And because he was sinless, he could not be bound there. The victory that death once held since the fall of man had to relinquish its hold on the prince of life and the Lord of glory. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I believe that that's something to shout and give God praise about right there. Amen to God. Anyone who has been redeemed by the sacrificial Lamb of God has power over death, not only in the life to come, but we also have power over death in this life. So when sickness and disease tries to encroach upon us, 
we can plead the blood of Jesus because the Bible says that by his stripes we are healed. And it doesn't matter what the doctor has said, what diagnosis, what prognosis they have said, no matter what the enemy is whispering in our ears, no matter how our bodies, how weak our bodies feel, we still have victory over death. And if we would just have faith and confidence in God and what he has done for us, God will show us his power. God will release his power and he will heal us and and grant us everything that we stand in need and cry out for. But he went to hell, and this is why Christ's resurrection should be celebrated every day in our lives, I believe. He rose with the keys of death in his hands. So no sickness, no disease, no temptation, nothing that the enemy of our soul was able to beat us down with prior to the resurrection can or could entangle or manipulate us again. We have been regenerated by the life of obedience that is inherent in the spirit of God. When you and I experience the baptism of the spirit by the Holy Ghost, we receive power to obey God and resist the devil. We receive power to cast down every evil thought that tries to rise or raise its ugly head against the knowledge of God. This year marks the 19th year that I celebrate or celebrated my personal Pentecost and the 49th year that I commemorated my natural birth. As exciting as both of them are, they pale in comparison to Jesus' victory over death, hallelujah, and the grave. What our our Lord and Savior accomplished is mind-blowing when we allow the reality of, of his resurrection or what his resurrection secured for us to sink in. Jesus came from a tribe called Judah, which means celebrated or praised. He was the long-awaited Messiah, conceived by a virgin who had favor with God. Can you imagine the honor Mary must have felt when she truly realized what God was going to accomplish through her? Because this was an honor that was being extended from God and not from man, in order for Mary to accept God's calling, she had to prepare herself for rejection and the skepticism of her family, her friends, Joseph, her her fiancé, and her community at large. All these factors, all these voices were forms of opposition, hallelujah, that were meant to crush and overwhelm Mary. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. They were meant to crush and overwhelm Mary, Mary's spirit. It's one of the things, uh, it's one thing to believe the promises of God and quite another, I believe, to have to press your way through the opinions and unrealistic expectations of others and those around you. Because oftentimes, it's the people who are close to you, those who knew you from way back when, that refuse to believe anything great can come out of you. But oh, how many of us know that it's the opinions, it is not the opinions of others that matter, but what God and you think that counts. It is who God says we are and declare that we can do that should be the final authority in our lives. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28, 
we, we read that God sent the archangel Gabriel to Mary with this message. He told her to rejoice. Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Hallelujah. Gabriel was sent to Mary for one specific purpose, and that was to ensure her that she had nothing to fear. She had nothing to fear. She had nothing to be fearful about from her friends, her family, her community, those who didn't believe or, or, or wouldn't believe that uh, a virgin of her, that she could be uh, pregnant by God and that she could, be, she could conceive a child without there being a man involved because this was totally unprecedented. This was something that had never happened before. So um, even though we can look back on that and we can see how they could be skeptical and they could reject that, when she was going through the midst of that, she, she, she had to be a little fearful. She had to be a little uncertain in herself as to, number one, why will God choose me as a vehicle to, to bring his son into this world? Why would he do that? And then on top of that, you got all these voices, her family, her friends, the community at large that are probably saying, I don't believe that. We've never seen that. Hallelujah. But she had nothing. Gabriel told her and was sent to her because he, God wanted her to, to know that she didn't have anything to fear. Nothing at all. Hallelujah. But then we find 10 short verses later that, and we see that in Mary's response in Luke chapter 1, verse 20, or verse 38, where she says, let it be to me according to your word. How many of us can say like Mary, Lord, let it be unto me according to your word? I raised this question this morning because sometimes we allow the devil to convince us we are the only ones going through. That, that, that our set of circumstances and situation are unique. However, when we take a closer look at these verses, we discover the promises of God, treasures, if you will, the very source of encouragement we often look for but seemingly can't find. In order for the redeemed of the Lord to ascertain or take hold of God's promises, we have to excavate and unearth the bountiful treasures of encouragement contained in the scriptures. We must be clear-minded and disciplined enough to take God at his word and simply put, just believe God that he will do what he said he would do. God's word says that his thoughts are not our thoughts, neither are our ways his ways, that the word that goes forth out of his mouth would not return unto him void, but accomplish that which he pleases and will prosper in the thing whereunto he sent it. God's word says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. I love that verse because I can remember a time that my, my, my future looked very bleak. It wasn't good. I had made a lot of very poor decisions that had landed me uh, in a situation that uh, when I looked at the, looked through the tunnel, there wasn't there wasn't light. You know, the, the light scene that it was the tunnel was so dark, and it seemed like the light was so far. 
and I wouldn't be able to reach it. And for those of you who know my personal testimony, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I, I identify with, with, with Mary because at one point when I began to walk with God, I had to trust God. I had to believe that he would protect me. I had to believe that he would shield me and that he would deliver me and that he would take care of me. He would do everything that he had promised me and that I was reading in his word. But because I didn't come from a background, I didn't have parents who who were prayerful. I didn't have parents who took me to church. I didn't go to Sunday school. So I didn't have any voices in my life that was encouraging me to believe in God and to press into God and to believe God for myself and develop my own personal relationship. So when I was born again, when I when I repented and I was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, I believed God. I had faith in God and I had confidence in God, but I was in I was in a place where I really had to press my way into believing what he said when he says that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Uh, I had been so used to defending myself, protecting myself for so long that in my mind I was like, well, Lord, how can I believe that you're going to protect me and I can't even see you? You know, and it took a lot of faith. It took a lot of courage. uh, I mean, a, a lot of confidence in encouraging myself. I had to cast down a lot of thoughts. I had to pray often and just ask God, help me to believe. I believe, but help my unbelief, you know. And eventually he helped me with that. He, 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 he got me through it, you know. And uh, I can stand here today and tell you that I don't struggle with that anymore. You know, no matter what life circumstances bring my way or what's going on in my life and Shannon's life and Joshua's life or even our extended family life, I believe that God what he said, he said that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. He didn't say that they wouldn't form. He said they wouldn't have the power nor the ability to prosper against you. And so I thank God for that, for that revelation, because it was when I really grasped that, that I was able to understand what, you know, how powerful God was. I was able to understand how much he loved me, how much he loves us. You know, and he wants to he wants to be there for us. He wants to father us and he wants to protect us. He is not an a, not an absentee father. He is not a, a God who has left us orphaned down here in the earth. Hallelujah. You know, he brought his he brought he gave us his spirit. Uh, for those of us who have been born again. He gave us his spirit so that we could. Number one, have power. Now, when the, the, the Holy Ghost uh, or the word power in the book of Acts in chapter 2, when he, said, when he says that you shall receive power not many days hence, that word in the Greek is dunamis, and it means dynamite or, uh, or spiritual TNT. It has the power to blow up and obliterate anything, any spiritual entity or power that is coming against us. It has the power to cause the mountains in our lives to be moved. It has the power to obliterate the the doubt of the thoughts that are in our minds that are coming against us, that are trying to rise up against the knowledge of who God and Jesus Christ is. But we have to get in there. We have to dig into the word. We have to delve into the word for ourselves and then go into our prayer closet and ask God, help me find ways to apply your word in my life. 
Not only when things are going good, but even when they're going bad. Not only when people are being friendly, but even when they're being unfriendly. Because we have to love our enemies too. And all of our neighbors are not friendly. All of our neighbors are not um, believers, if you will. Some of them are very uh, anti-Christ, and they have a very anti-Christ mentality. And they don't mind displaying that. They don't mind showing that to you. Um, I don't watch the news that often, but um, I do look at some of the news feeds that I get on my phone. And um, you just look at the world around us today, and there's a lot going on. There's a lot of things that are, that are trying to rise up against God and everything that he stands for. You know, marriage is under attack. Um, sexual, our, our, our heterosexuality is under attack. All the things that God has put in place are, are, are being attacked. And a lot, a lot of that is because man, just like at the end of, when, uh, after God had purged the world through the flood and they began to rebuild and, re, and repopulate the earth, man began to build a, a tower in Babel. And the reason that they were doing this was because they said that they was trying to build this tower to make a name for themselves. But ultimately, they were thinking in their minds and in their hearts, we're going to build this tower up into the heavens so that if, if God decides to flood the earth again, he won't be able to kill us. And we don't have to retain them in our mind. We don't have to think about God. This, this will be our way of escape if he, if he decides to do that again. And so when we see that, we see that today in our country. We see that uh, number one for marriage, those that those that who believe in a so-called alternative lifestyle, they have they are coming up and they they are leveling attacks against the Bible, our our our, our values, our convictions, our, our marriages, and they're doing this because they don't want to retain God in their mind. They don't they don't want to believe and hear anything that God has to say because then that would they would that would bring them under conviction, and that would cause them to to have to change. That would cause them to have to acknowledge that their life is not their own and that there is, there is a, a higher power that is bigger and that is greater than them that they have to answer to. And it's really unfortunate that they believe that and they're doing the things that they're doing because the Bible says that every knee is going to have to bow and every tongue is going to have to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord when he comes back. And it's, it's, it's saddening and it's disheartening to me because they're really lost. And God loves them. And I'm saddened because sometimes even some of our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, we don't handle, we don't handle interacting with them the way that we should sometimes. You know, we, we're short with them or we, we make them feel like God doesn't really love them or God doesn't really care about them, but he does. God's, God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. You know, he doesn't hate he doesn't hate the person. He hates the lifestyle that is manifesting in their life, whether they're homosexual, whether they're drunkards, uh, whether they're dope uh, addicts or whatever they may be. He loves them, but he just hates the way that sin is being manifested in their life. Um, as I bring this message to a close, I want to encourage us in the Lord. And I want you to notice that I said us. Because I don't want you to think that 
pastor or myself or anyone else that stands up here and preaches the word of God that we have arrived, that we're bigger, that we're better, or that somehow we don't go through the things that other people go through. We, we all need Jesus Christ. We all need to fall at our knees at the cross. And, as, and, and you know, there's, there's enough room at the cross for everybody, for the whole world, for the, the 7 billion plus people that are in the world. There's enough room at the cross for all of us. There is nothing more that Satan would love to do than to divide, scatter, and separate us from the love of God by convincing us that there's no room at the cross for us. He would love for us to come to church and hold on to the issues of life and not cast them upon him and believing that he cares for us. You know, the Bible says that the, our enemy, of, the enemy of our soul, Satan, he walks around as a roaring lion. Not that he is a roaring lion. Jesus is the Judah of lion. He's the real roaring lion. Hallelujah. But he walks around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he could devour. And when we don't cast our care, when we come to church, we go to life group, um, we come to corporate prayer, and we don't cast our cares upon him. When we're in our private uh, closets and prayer closets in our homes and we're not casting our cares upon us he can devour us because we're weak you know I was watching National uh, Geographic uh, the other day and they were they were uh, showing the gazelles you know how they they run and they and, and, and their pride and all of that and they they had uh, a couple of uh, pregnant female gazelles and so the lions what they would do, is they weren't targeting even the young, the, the newborns or the, or the older ones. They wanted to um, isolate the pregnant gazelles because they weren't as nimble. They weren't as fast. They, couldn't, they didn't have the agility to move about and escape their attack. And that's what he does for us or to us. Satan wants to attack us. He wants to isolate us. He wants to make us think that don't go talk to pastor. Don't go talk to First Lady. Don't go talk to Daryl. Don't go talk to Ben or anyone or whoever it is it may be that you feel comfortable talking to. Don't go talk to them. Just, just keep that to yourself. Just hold that to yourself. Hold it in. There's no hope. There's no hope of the resurrection. There's no hope that you can be delivered from what you're going through right now. Just hold on to that. And there's nothing more that he would love for us to do than to do that. But God does care about us. God loves us. He loves us so much that we can't even begin to fathom how much he loves us. And there's, there's also nothing more than, uh, or there's nothing that's going on with you or with I that God is not concerned about. And the devil would love for us to come into the presence of the living God and not open our hearts and our mouths in praise. He doesn't want us to praise God. When, we're, when we first come to service and we begin to sing praise and worship songs and we begin to magnify God and lift him up, the word of God says that when we lift up praises unto God that we are creating a habitation, a throne for him to inhabit, for him to dwell among his people. I want God in my life. I need God in my life. If I don't have God in my life, I'm going to revert back. I'm going back. You know, and I'm not saying that I want to go back or that I desire to go back. I'm just saying I know left to my own devices without God, without his presence, without his mercy, 
in my life without his, his spirit empowering me to go through the issues of life that I go through on a day-by-day basis. I'm not going to act right. I'm not going to treat people the way I need to, that they need to be treated. I'm not going to love on them. My thoughts are going to be skewed and messed up. And so I'm not going to be thinking the way that I, I think. I'm not going to bless people. I'm probably going to, I probably will curse them and not bless them. And so I just thank God for his presence. I thank him for the opportunity to praise him. Another thing that the, that, uh, the devil would love for us to do is to walk in and out of church every single, every single Sunday. Uh, and believe that there is no hope, that, that there is no confidence in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage us this morning because I don't want us to leave here the same way that we came in. I want us to be changed and to expect to be changed when we enter into the presence of the Lord. Why do I, why do I want that? Why do I expect change? Because our God is alive. Our God is immortal, and he is also immutable, which means that he is unchanging, and he's unchangeable. He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are the ones in need of change. We are the ones who were once dead, but have been made alive. Nothing that is dead, when it comes into a real encounter or into the presence of God, can remain dead. It's impossible. This is what Satan doesn't want you and I to get a hold of. When Jesus walks into any situation, people and things are changed. Amen. So the, the altar is open. And this is, this is an opportunity for, for all of us to seek God in a way that maybe we haven't done before. This is an opportunity to love on God and have him love on you. You may not need anything from God. You may not have any prayer requests for yourself, or you may not even need to stand in the gap for anyone. You just want to be in his presence. So I invite you to come and let us adore him together. Let us lift him up and magnify his glorious name. He's worthy. He's more than worthy. Hallelujah. 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 I thank you, Jesus. I magnify you. I glorify you, God. I give you honor. I give you glory. I give you praise, Lord. Church family, if there's anyone out there that wants to come down that that would like for pastor to pray with them, maybe it's something that you heard in the sermon. Maybe God touched your heart and began to deal with you about something and you just want to pray with God about that. You're welcome and we invite you to come down to pray. And we'll pray with you and we'll, we'll love on you and we'll honor you and glorify God in the, in the process. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.